Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day, Exceptional Sales Leader. Welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Leader podcast. Darren Mitchell here on yet another hump day, Wednesday, the 13th of July, 2022. Trust wherever you are in the world, you're having a very, very fast start and a productive start to your working week and taking advantage of all the opportunities that are no doubt in front of you and your sales team in your quest to not only drive sustainable results, but also in the process, help you become an exceptional sales leader. So let's get straight into today's episode, Objections. Are opportunities. Now, when you hear that, what's the first thing that comes to mind? One of the things that I often hear salespeople talk about is objections are not opportunities. Objections are challenges. Objections are hurdles. Objections equals rejection. And uh, I was actually working with a sales team today, a great sales team here in Victoria, about fine-tuning their sales skills and uh, giving them some things to think about, but also challenging them on a number of areas. And one of the key areas we spoke about and focused on today was objections. And I asked the question, you know, when you think about objections, what do you think? And almost to an individual person within the sales team, and there was about 12 people in the room, all of them felt it was uh, something they had to overcome. And yes, it was part of the sales process, but not necessarily something that they looked forward to. And so we started to consider what if objections, in fact, were opportunities? Because when you think about it, when a customer or a potential customer provides you with an objection, if they didn't care about potentially doing business with you or at least moving forward to contemplate doing business for with you, why would they actually put any objection up whatsoever? In fact, why would they even take the time to see, sit down and have a conversation with you or at least consider your product or your service? So the challenge for many salespeople is they see objections as a rejection or a hurdle they have to overcome. And it's not something we have to overcome. It's something we simply have to handle. And if the mindset changes around objections and things, and we start thinking about, well, there's obviously a care factor that the customer has, otherwise they wouldn't be taking the time to put up an objection. It simply means I haven't yet provided all the information that they need in order to feel comfortable to make a decision that ultimately we want them to make. And the other intriguing thing is, and many of these guys have been very experienced and been through sales training for many years, they said all the times we've actually gone through sales training and any sales trainer that has actually talked about objections, it's always been about how we have to overcome the objections. And it made it for a really interesting conversation because it just recalibrated for many of them the fact that yes, they've got a great product and the product can can sell itself, but it does require the salespeople to think a little bit outside the square and place more of their focus on the people they're dealing with and the customer they're dealing with rather than the product that they're trying to push and trying to sell. And I talk about this a lot, and if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you know that I'm very big on uh, sales being the ultimate form of service, but also sales being at, at its core, problem solving. Now, your customer does not want your product. They're not interested in your product. What they're interested in is a solution to either a defined problem they know they have or a problem they become conscious of after having a conversation with you. Now, either way, there's going to be times, there'll be a natural part of the sales process where there'll be some form of objection. It could be an objection right before the close of a deal. It could be an objection up front. There will be an objection that's coming your way. And as salespeople, we need to get really conscious of this and get it comfortable with this to say, you know what, it's just part of the process. I'm going to embrace it and I'm going to look at it as opportunities. Because if the customer didn't care, 
then they wouldn't have any reason to put an objection up in the first place. So let's put that to bed right now, that the customer has a care factor that is relatively high. I'd like to think it's relatively high. Otherwise, there's no point either seeing you and certainly no point putting up an objection in the first place. So then begs the question, what sort of categories, what sort of objections do we typically get? Now, depending on your industry, there might be something very specific to your product or to the problem you're trying to solve that might be specific to a particular company that you're dealing with. But essentially, when there's an objection that's thrown out, it'll come down to one of six key categories. The first category is there may be an objection around the product itself. And it may be something like, well, the quality of your product is not as good as your competitors. And so they actually attack the product itself. Now, if you're a person who's really wedded to the quality of the product and you believe you've got the best product on the market, and by the way, you should believe that, then that is something that might be a bit of a, a pattern interrupt for you and it might lead you to reacting to that particular objection rather than thinking about and challenging that particular objection. So the first category is a product. The second category is the source. And that is, you know what, I haven't heard of you. I don't know your brand. I don't know your business. I don't know you, so how can I trust you? And I shared a story this morning around uh, working at Telstra and how many people with, within Telstra found it pretty easy to open doors to most organizations because Telstra as a brand was really, really well known. But dealing with a lot of the smaller channel partners that we had to deal with in dealing with large customers, often these channel partners had a little bit more of a challenge getting access to certain people and certain organizations because that brand wasn't as well known and in some cases wasn't known at all. So the objection is, well, I haven't heard of you, so why should I give you any time? So that's a source type of objection. The third category is probably one of the most common, and that is price. And, and number three and number four, price and money, pretty much similar. So the price objection is, well, things like, well, I can't afford that, or you are too expensive. And it's often a bit of a furphy because people are just throwing out uh, a price objection to see how you're going to respond to that. And most people go straight into discount mode. And I'll share with you a model in a second and how to handle the, uh, the objection in the most appropriate way and a professional way. But price is a certain uh, category. I can't afford it or you're too expensive, which is very similar to the money objection as a category, which is I can't afford it at the moment. So it's not a case of uh, necessarily saying it's too expensive uh, full stop. It's more a case of, well, I can't afford it right now. I don't have the resources right now. So I'm going to put out a bit of a, a bit of a stalling tactic and a bit of a furphy in many cases. In some cases, there might well be a legitimate reason that they can't afford it right now, and we just have to work through that. But often it'll just be a a, a fishing line that's thrown out to see how you're gonna how you're gonna respond to that. The fifth category is the one I call I'm already satisfied, and that is you know we're okay, thank you. Uh, we are we are all good. We don't need any more products. We're very happy with our current provider, and often this is masking something else. So as a salesperson, as a really professional salesperson, an inquisitive and curious salesperson. We always have to delve a little bit deeper to really contest these, to challenge these, but also to find out, is this a real objection or not? And the last category is the old classic thinking. I'll have to think about it. And again, this is typically a stalling tactic. Now, the challenge with this is often people say as a response, and many sales trainers are being taught to say this, that when you get an objection, I like to think about it. The immediate response is, oh, what specifically do you need to think about uh, to try and get the conversation going? Now, Irrespective of the type of category of objection you get, the framework I'm about to share with you is a really simple four-step framework that should give your sales team and you confidence to be able to handle any objection that is thrown your way. And remembering, it's not about overcoming the objection, it is simply about handling the objection because if you can handle it in a professional way and if you can lead the customer to a decision 
that they feel comfortable making, even though it might be taking them out of their comfort zone, but they've built a level of trust with you to the point where they now start to believe in you and there's a level of credibility with you, then there's a high probability of you being able to handle that objection to the point where they have a level of comfort to take the next step. And that's the whole thing about it. And I said to the team today, it's not about closing the deal on the first call. Even though they may be placed under pressure by their senior leaders in order to close the deal on their first call. And this is where the adage or the, the catchphrase always be closing comes from. And that is many people, many organizations, and may I say many people within organizations at senior levels who perhaps haven't necessarily carried the bag of a salesperson believe that if the product's that good, if the service is that good, and if our salespeople are that good, then they should be able to convert sales on the first opportunity to do so. And therefore, any live customer in front of us or live prospect needs to be closed. Well, guess what? Statistically, that is not the case. And it does take a bit of time for many customers to build a level of credibility with the supplier and the supplier with the customer. And I shared some statistics with the team that comes from uh, the National Sales Executive Association. And these are these were a little bit old now, but I think the percentages are still pretty much true when you think about it. And that is 48% of salespeople never follow up with a prospect. So how many potential sales are being left on the table because salespeople are not following up for whatever reason? Maybe they got rejected in the first place. Maybe they didn't feel the customer was taking them seriously uh, or could be a whole host of reasons. 25% of salespeople make a second contact and then they stop. Maybe because they don't get the result they were hoping for or they were expecting. 12% of salespeople only make three contacts and stop. And only 10% of salespeople make more than three contacts. Now, this is really interesting that this is coming from a prospecting point of view. And particularly if you're in a business that is looking for new brands and new logos, we know that consistency count compounds. And I talk about this a lot. Consistency is not, is not sexy. It's not charismatic. But by goodness, it actually compounds and it delivers amazing results. For those people who have staying power and have persistence and resilience to continue to make the calls. Now, when it comes to the sales conversion, some really interesting statistic here as well, and that is 2% of sales are made on the first contact. And as I shared today, sometimes you get really lucky where you'll catch lightning in a bottle. You just happen to catch the customer at the right time in their buying cycle, and you happen to be there with the perfect product and the perfect solution, so it's a natural fit. So therefore, they'll lean forward and take the product, take the, take the service. 3% of sales are made on the second contact. This is where it starts to get interesting. 5% of sales are made on the third contact, 10% of sales made on the fourth contact, and 80% of sales are made on the fifth to the twelfth contact. And what this means is for those salespeople who are able to continue to build relationships and know that there may be a number of conversations they have to have in order to convert a customer, and that is it comes back to the staying power and the persistence and the resilience, but also the consistency, then that's where a lot of the sales are going to be made. So the question around objection handling is, are we prepared to go through the number of contacts in order to get to, and not, and not so much wear down the customer, but certainly continue to build credibility and value, and get to a position where we can provide a solution that is a valuable solution and a viable solution to your customer? And when it comes to handling objections, this is a key element to this because I guarantee that the people who can stay in the, in the game uh, are the ones that will reap the benefits and that's where 80% of the sales are coming from the fifth to the 12th contact. So um, from an objection handling point of view, here's a, here's a simple but really powerful four-step process 
in order to handle objections. And always remembering that we don't have to overcome these and it's not about convincing the customer to take your product because at the end of the day, the customer actually doesn't want your product. What they're looking for is a solution to that problem they have. So how do we handle that in an effective way? That still maintains the relationship, but also guides the customer to make a decision that will hopefully provide them with a solution that's gonna solve the problem. And not only that, set a platform for future conversations and therefore opportunities for us to continue to sell into that particular customer. So the simple four-step framework is an acronym by the name of APAC, A-P-A-C. And this might sound a little bit counterintuitive, particularly with the first A, which is acknowledge. And that is, take time to acknowledge the objection. Even thanking the customer or the prospect for providing the objection. So receiving that with gratitude. Now what this does, it's really a case of taking time to stop and to breathe and to contemplate what is the actual objection that is being thrown at me. How can I demonstrate active listening and how can I notice things like the tone of voice for the person? Now, the interesting exercise we did today was that as soon as I got them to play, uh, play a simulation in terms, just throw out a natural objection and I want the other people to actually now handle that objection in the way that you normally do. Just about every single person in the room, when an objection was thrown out, went straight to solution mode. And I said, that's interesting because that's now representative of what most salespeople in the, on the planet do they go straight to sales solution mode irrespective of what category it is and they'll look for hey your prices are too high well what if we give you a discount or i don't like your product or hang on our product is great and here's here's the reason why we've got to stop that the first step in this process is to acknowledge it acknowledge it and it gives you time to start thinking about it and starting to frame some questions which will then lead into the second part of apac which is probe We've now got to expand and clarify the objection that's been thrown out. We've actually got to find out whether the objection that's been given to us is the real objection or whether it's masking something else. The challenge with a lot of salespeople is when they go straight into solution mode, they, they try to handle or try to overcome the first objection that they're thrown. And often this objection is a surface level objection and is not the real objection. So the probing part is designed to really probe the customer, probe the prospect to understand, is this the real problem? Let me ask you some questions. Let me challenge you on that objection. Let me understand what this uh, objection is actually doing in terms of stopping you from moving forward or how is it causing concern or causing challenges within your business. It's all about seeking to understand. Now, here's, here's the interesting thing. Most customers, most prospects are expecting a salesperson to go straight in for the kill and come in and convince as to why they think their product is the, is a great fit, and they'll go straight back into closing mode. Now, if you do something completely different, that in itself is gonna be a pattern interrupt for your customer and for your prospect, which forces them to stand up and start thinking about you in a slightly different way. And it may well be that doing that will increase the level of credibility that you have in their eyes, which then paves the way for you to better handle that particular objection and potentially lead to a sale. So the probing part is really designed to ask questions, to paraphrase what you're hearing, to listen actively, but also to understand exactly what is the root cause of this particular objection. Once you think you're clear on what that exact objection is, you can now move to step three, which is the A of answer. And that is you get to choose and you make the decision as to whether you're gonna answer this or not. But if you do answer, make sure that you're answering with certainty, make sure you're being concise and ensure that you're using persuasive language. This is not again about convincing, it's simply showing them what the benefits are gonna be if they take your product or they take your service. If you do this really well, what will happen is the fourth step in the C, which is confirm, you'll be checking in to see effectively whether the objection has been handled 
or whether the problem has been dealt with, whether their concern has been considered and whether has con- their concern has been allayed. So if, that, if you get an answer of yes to that, essentially they're saying, first of all, you've acknowledged me. Second of all, you've identified where the real concern is. Thirdly, you've actually given me an answer which I'm happy with. And now fourthly, let's move forward. So you've handled my challenge, you've handled my objection. The natural consequence now will be let's lead into closing the sale and starting to get some deals done. So if the person says no to the to the confirmed part, that simply means that you haven't yet identified the key issue, the key root cause of the objection, which means you go back to probe and start asking some more questions again to seek to understand, decide to answer again, making sure it's certain, concise, and with persuasive language, and then we confirm again. Now, if on the second time we go through this and they say no, then we time out because we don't want to keep looping because they may well find there are some customers out there that are simply tie kickers or they may be multi-time convincers, or they'll be never convinced to, the, to take any action. So therefore, you just have to time out and maybe look at a different strategy. But if you do this well, in most cases, you're going to have a high percentage of people turning around saying, well, you know what? You've actually allayed my concerns. You've now dealt with this particular objection. Let's start to move forward. So I trust that message helped. It certainly was something that the, uh, the team embraced today. And uh, when they implemented this, they found that uh, even though the temptation was to jump into solution mode, by using a framework like APAC, it meant that they had to sit back and think about things first, consider what questions to ask, to challenge what the objection was, to then seek to understand what the real objection potentially could be before going into solution mode. And I know from practice and I know from using this myself and using this with sales teams that this will significantly improve the conversion rate and handling objections. But remembering, it's not about overcoming objections because there's nothing that has to be overcome. And it's not about convincing your your customer to take your product because they don't want your product. They simply want a solution. So I trust that message helps. I trust that message resonates. And I hope it catches you at the right moment that you can use in your sales calls, either today, tomorrow, next week, or when you happen to be listening to this particular episode. And a reminder, of course, before we wrap up, when you're ready to work one-on-one and let me help you become an exceptional sales leader, love to have a conversation with you. Simply go to leadwithdarren.com. We'll have a conversation and uh, look forward to that conversation. Thanks again for plugging into this particular episode. I very much look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it, But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.